Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, so it is our pleasure today to intro Sunday is Not Enough number four. It is an epic weekend, which... If you've been around here a little while, I know 2020 was crazy, but we have been having epic weekends for the past number of years. And to us, that just means that it is an evangelistic weekend, that God has given gifts to the church and the gift of the evangelist is such a vital and important one. And so we like to have the gift of the evangelist speak into our body. And our speaker today is definitely that. He is an an old friend around here by now. Old (laughs) friend. <laughs> Been with us a number of years, seasoned friend. I don't know, uh, but we love this family. <laughs> Let's just welcome <laughs> Tim Bennett. even sure what to do after that now. Uh, thank you, Pastor Candace. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Thank you guys for the invite. Love you guys so much. I know uh, it was so many years ago that we met now, uh, but uh, yeah, we're, we're blessed. Honestly, but I remember the first time we met and then the first time I was here getting connect with you all. Just when we walked in the door, it felt like home immediately. And so uh, we really do love you guys and appreciate that. Thanks so much for joining us here this morning. Thank you, those of you that are watching online. We love you, praying for God's best in your life. And I hope the same presence of God we're experiencing right here is the same presence of God that you can experience wherever you are, whether it's in your home, your living room, your kitchen, your office, your car, wherever you may be this morning. I know God is chasing you down right now in Jesus' name. So I'm excited for what God is doing today. If you have your Bibles, I do want to invite you to open up to the book of Joshua. If you start in the left and go right, if you're like me and you need you need the book, you know, you can do that. If you're on your phone, you can just click right there. I mean, you can find anything on your phone. But uh, uh, Joshua chapter 3 this morning, excited for what God has for us. Congratulations, Pastor Isaiah. Man, what an awesome, what an awesome thing's going on in your life. I don't know about you, man, but it worked out pretty good for me when I married a girl named Katie. So I, I assume things are going well for you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> way to go, man. It's exciting. Proud of you. Uh, excited to see what God's going to do in your life, man. You be faithful and obedient to what God has for you, man. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit for you, man. I'm excited for what God has for you. And uh, speaking of being married to my wife, Katie, this Wednesday, speaking of being old, uh, this Wednesday, uh, we will be married for 20 years this Wednesday. So, yeah. How about that? I said, honey, what do you want to do for your for our anniversary? She's like, how about we go to Freedom Valley Church? And so we got her booked, you know, so we're celebrating our 20th anniversary right here in Gettysburg. So excited for what God has for us. My son, Josiah, my oldest son, the birthright son, he is here with me this morning. Just got his orange stripe in his black belt in Hapkido. That's right. Every county that we visit, we have to call the local sheriff and let him know he's going to be there because he is a deadly weapon. So, uh, 
Love you, man. Uh, my two youngest are out in your children's ministry, which that is awesome. If you all didn't have a chance to peek into your kids' ministry, after everything's said and done, we go out and hang out during the uh, church picnic. You might want to just slip in there and look around. I mean, there's some awesome things going on back there. And so it's not just a babysitting service, by the way. They are back there experiencing the presence of God like we are right here. And kids are going to be saved, healed, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so uh, I'm excited for what God's doing back there in the the kids ministry. Wow, that's awesome back there. And so my oldest daughter, Emily, is at home. She may be watching. I don't know. Love you, girl. Uh, but she uh, she had to work at the Lord's Chicken yesterday. She works at Chick-fil-A. So, you know, called the ministry there. You know, she serves the modern day form of manna known as Chick-fil-A sauce. Come on, somebody. I can just drink that stuff. I mean, like I hear myself getting fatter, but I don't care. I just keep throwing it back. Man, so hopefully I've given you the time to find Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 this morning. Now, I want you to chill out for just a second because I'm going to read the entire chapter, all right? Now, it's going to be okay because if you've been around enough or you've heard me speak somewhere before, here, or wherever, you're going to know that I talk quickly. So um, we're going to get through it pretty quickly this morning, but uh, yeah, I, but it's about 17 verses, but I really wanted you to kind of get the full story of what is going on here in Joshua chapter 3. I know many of us probably know this and understand this at this point, that the Israelites had been taken out of Egyptian bondage, right? Moses led them out of Egyptian bondage as God, you know, sent the 10 plagues and, and all that happened. And, and Pharaoh uh, let the Israelites go. And then uh, they get to the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his chariots chase them and, and God parts the Red Sea. And then the Israelites come in, in into this desert area, into, Mount, into the Sinai Peninsula, actually. And, and there they meet the presence of God and God sends them a little north, and they would have been able to go right into the promised land. 39 years earlier, they would have been able to go right into the promised land. And, and Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land to figure out how they need to get in, where they need to go, what all's going on. And as they send in these 12 spies, they come back. Ten of them were like, you're not going to believe what we found. There's, I mean, the, the land is amazing. It's flowing with milk and honey. The, the grapes are, uh, the grapes are ginormous, you know? Uh, I mean, like just these, these two say it's awesome what's there. Uh, but then, Two, the other two were Caleb and Joshua. They all agreed. Ten of them said that, however, everything we found was awesome, except there's a bunch of people living there, and they're huge. Like, they, they're big people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're large. I'm not talking about, like, large Marge. I'm talking about, like, you know, they could whoop us large, you know? And, and so uh, they, they said, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's figure out what's going on, and maybe we should just go back to Egyptian bondage, because at least there, you know, we had everything. It'll all be fine. And Caleb and Joshua were like, no, let's go. God brought us here, so let's go right into the, let's go, let's go now. You know, when God tells you to go, you go. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to try and figure it all out. When you pick up your feet, God is going to set them down right where you want him, right where he wants you to be. And, and so they said, let's go. And, uh, but only two of them said that, and so they all decided, no, we're not going to go. And because of that, God caused them to wander through the desert for 40 years. For 40 years, they had to wander through the desert. In fact, Moses and all the people of that generation had to end up passing away before God would bring them to this point to where now they are standing on the east bank of the Jordan River. 
ready to cross into the promised land. Moses and all that generation that was scared to take hold of what God had called them to take hold of. Now all of a sudden they're all gone and they have this young leader now. His name is Joshua and he's ready to lead them into the promised land and everything's getting ready to go. And this is where we're going to pick it up. Joshua chapter three, starting at verse one, Joshua chapter three, starting at verse one. Come on, why don't you, why don't you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Get the blood pumping through your legs before you got to listen to a long winded evangelist. Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 1. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. You might have something real similar. I think you'll get it. Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 1, says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before the crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving them in these instructions to all the people. When you see the Levi, when you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before. I want to underline that. That's a little bit important. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark, the covenant, and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give them this command, uh, give this command to the priests who carry the ark of the covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out uh, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the, the, the you know, termites, whatever kind of ites, you know, my back tights, whatever. Look at the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, who will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. Y'all gotta, I mean, just... You, you gotta really kind of drink this one in, you know? Uh, I mean, this is, sometimes we read God's word and we really don't do it. And it's just kind of like, oh, it's a nice story. This actually happened. Right? Like this stuff actually happened. This isn't just some nice little, you know, bedtime story that Adam Sandler wants to tell us. You know what I'm saying? Like this actually, this really, really, really happened. I mean, the, the Jordan River stopped flowing. That's wild to me. The water just piled up downstream. I mean, that's wild what is going on here. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan River in verse 14, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. That's amazing. Come on, let's pray. Father, one more time, would you release the power of your written word into our lives? Lord, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, may distractions be gone. Lord, may preconceived ideas be taken out of our lives. Lord, we surrender to you in our minds and in our, in our hearts and everything. We take captive every thought right now. 
and make it obedient to the cause of Jesus Christ. Lord, be glorified in all that's said and done. Jesus, I love you. Lord, I love you today. God, I pray that we would move out of the wilderness of wandering today. And Lord, we would step into the fullness of who you are. God, may we be carriers of your presence. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Listen, I, I really, I believe this as we have, we have been navigating through this season and, and through everything that's been happening over the last year and a half and all, all the kind of craziness and the stuff that's been going on. And regardless of what our, our opinions may be and regardless of what political extremes we may be on or regardless of whatever's happening out there, uh, many of us have kind of got into this point where we have been living out of a constant need for God to continually bail us out. We've done. We, we've, I don't know about you, but I've made some mistakes in my life. How about you? You know, I've come up short. I haven't done what I should have done. And I did do things that I shouldn't have done. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of things that go on in my life. and But I believe this. I, the will of God in our life is not to stay where we are. Come on now. The will of God is not for us to stay where we are. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the world is spinning quickly out of control. And if we stand where we are, the world's going to spin us so quickly, we're just going to end up like a, a bug that gets splattered on the windshield. We're just going to get spun off and, and splattered along the wall of life. And we're not going to have much impact on anything. And we're going to end up being a victim of what is going on because we just kind of, we, we, we just allow things to happen and we never, we never influence anybody else. We never, we never allow anything to change because of who we are, but we allow everything else to change us because of what is going on. And a lot of times what is on the outside of us ends up changing who we are. And meanwhile, we know this as followers of Jesus Christ, that who is on the inside of us is much greater than what is on the outside of us. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the whole world. Yet over the last 16 months, we have allowed everything to change who we are. If our, if our ideals and our principles and our foundation has changed over the last 16 months, then maybe we were not really on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ to start with. Ooh. See, many of us, we, we, we kind of live this life and we, we've listened and we, we've bought into this weak, anemic faith that says that, that you'll never have any trouble, that you'll never have any sickness, that you'll never go through any hard times. And if that ever happens, that meant that you weren't really following God to start with because God, God, King's kids never have issues. Right? In fact, I, I was I was so heartbroken. A, a man that is so influential, uh, just so positively impacted my life, and uh, was was a wonderful, uh, an amazing preacher, and a lot of great things going on in his life. How many understand? We're not called to follow preachers. We're not called to follow denominations. We're not called to follow churches. We're called to follow the person and power of Jesus Christ and Him alone. But. I, I was so heartbroken as I was, I was listening to this gentleman preach and just a powerful preacher. And I want to be careful about doing this because uh, a lot of times we, we, we as Christians, particularly even right now, over the last 16 months, we've gotten really good at picking each other apart. 
But I, I want to say this to you because I want you to hear my heart, what's going on right now. And, and I, I'd heard this gentleman preaching and I, I'd known him very well. And he had blessed me and, and spoken into our lives and invested in our ministry and done some amazing thing for us. And I heard him say this, that, that he had never been sick in the last 40 years of his life. He had never been sick because he continues to speak God's word over him. And then even throughout the pandemic, you know, that he would speak, uh, you know, Psalm 91, that this disease and pestilence will not come near his home. A thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 at the other, yet God will protect you and keep you safe. And those things are awesome. And those things are definitely true. But as he was saying these things, I, I know him well enough to know that just about two years earlier, he was laying on his deathbed. And we allow these folks to influence us. And they tell us that all these things, right? That, that, that you're, if you're going through trouble, that you shouldn't have to do that. You should just, you should just be able to speak some things and all of a sudden everything magically dissipates and it's all over with it. We as Christians will never have trouble. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's exactly goes against exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said the exact opposite of that. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And regardless of what may ha be happening out there and swirling around and whatever pandemic may come, whatever president may or may not be in the Oval Office, whatever nation may rise or fall, whatever preacher may say this or that or whatever else, my faith and my hope is not built on anything else but Jesus and Jesus alone. Regardless of what's going on in this world, my hope is built on nothing less. And so this morning, I want us to get past this point where we just kind of aimlessly wander through the desert. As the Israelites, they had wandered through the desert for 40 years. You know, they, a, a lot of things were happening in their life. And even before that, God just continued to bail them out time and time again. They were in Egyptian bondage. They were in slavery. Much as many of us were, we were in slavery to sin. We were in slavery to the things of this world. Yet God made a way. Come on, somebody. God made a way where there seemed to be no way that he sent these 10 plagues and he changed the heart of Pharaoh and, and God allowed the Israelites to move out of Egyptian bondage. And we know that Pharaoh uh, started to chase after them. And there the Israelites are now stuck between the fiercest army of the day and the Red Sea. And they begin to grumble and, 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 and backbite and talk about each other and even mess with Moses saying, Moses, we can't believe you brought us here. At least back when we were in slavery, we had something to eat and something to drink. Here, we're going to dry, we're going to die in a dry desert and, and the, the fiercest harmony day is going to annihilate us. But here comes God again, bailing them out, Right? And God parts the Red Sea all night long. The Bible says the wind blew and the Red Sea parts. Now, the Israelite, listen, I got news for you. When the Red Sea parted, there wasn't one hair on a Jewish leg that got wet. Not one. And they stepped out into a dry ground. I mean, it was the first, I mean, think about this, the first human aquarium that ended up happening. You know, they come walking down through. I mean, many of us, we read these stories. It's just like, it's no big deal. I would be flipping out. Come on, somebody. Like, I, w I would be that kid, you know, that, that that I didn't want to walk right in the middle between the walls of water. I wanted to get close to one of the sides of the walls of water and, like, come down through and start splashing it and, you know, getting people wet beside me. You know, I, I can guarantee you I would have pushed Aaron into that wet wall. Come on, somebody. I'd have put him in it right now. I mean, could you imagine some of those fish as, as, as these Jewish people are walking by and they've got their goats and their cattle and everything else is going on? Can you imagine just just the look on some of those fish as you... You know, like, like as, it, as it's all happening, it was the first human aquarium. Come on, somebody. 
God bailed them out again. You know, and then they, they, they get over into the Red Sea and then, then we know what ends up happening. Uh, Pharaoh and his chariots chase after them and the Red Sea crashes down, kills the fiercest army of the day and Israel marches out and, and God leads them into this place and into the, into the, into the desert of, of Sinai and there God meets them on the, on Mount Sinai and tells them where they need to go and all that needs to happen. And then, you know, we know that they get to that this little town just south of this town called Beersheba, which is the very southern part of Israel. The promised land that they were supposed to take hold of. There's where they send the 12 spies in. 10 of them come back, say, we can't go in. There's giants. Two of them say, oh, no, Caleb and Joshua say, let's go today. And we know that they make the decision not to go. So now they have to wander through that desert for 40 years. It would have been easy if they just would have said yes to start with in the beginning. But oftentimes that's what we do with God. We start to re, we start to, to, to try and tell God what needs to happen. The exact, the exact ways things need to be, the exact conditions it needs to be that we got to sing my favorite song this way. The desert level has to be just this. The pre that we have to have this kind of preacher say it just this way. We have everything has to be just we tell God exactly how he needs to work. And then we end up wondering why oh, we're gonna wander through the desert for 40 years. Maybe you felt like over the last 16 months, maybe you feel like you've been going through this dry season. But aren't you thankful that every morning that you woke up there was manna and fresh quail for you every day? Every day. Every day God continued to meet your needs. Every day manna literally means what is it? I don't know, but God came through every time. How do he do it? I don't know, but every time God's bailed me out and that's a wonderful thing. But listen to me, when we go into the promised land here in just a moment, we'll see that the Israelites start marching and, and they, they cross the Jordan River as God parts the Jordan River and they go in. Can I tell you, the day that they crossed the Jordan River was the first day that they no longer had manna given to them every morning. They no longer had quail supplied for them every morning. They had to start living out of obedience. And I know you've heard me say this before, but I believe we need to hear this more than ever before. Our level of obedience will determine our level of blessing. See, the Israelites, they come to the Jordan River. And you say, Tim, well, how do we get past this point to where we stop relying on God to constantly bail us out and we begin to live in the fullness and the power of the presence of God? See, as the Israelites walked through the, through the desert and they, even as God led them through the Red Sea and through the desert to Mount Sinai and the Fort, listen, there was, God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Right? They, they followed, they wandered through the desert, chasing God's presence everywhere. You know, needing God to come through every day. Every day, they, they had, they were just, they were like little kids that couldn't help themselves. They couldn't change their own diaper. Come on. But God had, God took care of them. God loved them. He just, he kept taking care of them, kept taking care of them. But can I tell you sooner or later, God is asking us to get off the milk and start eating some meat. See, many of us, we've been babied for too long. Maybe we've had it just a little too easy in our Western culture. You know, because we've been dependent upon a government to keep us in this nice little Christian bubble. And all of a sudden we realize that the government's been corrupt. Now we're all freaked out. Why was your trust in them anyway? Why was your faith so closely connected to them to start with? And listen, I, there's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of good people in government. I'm not, I'm not here to knock all that down. I don't want to paint with a broad brush this morning, but I'm trying to prove the point that our faith and our hope has been rooted in the wrong place. 
And we've been wandering through the wilderness instead of stepping back. And what God says here in verse five, he says, then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves today for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. We've got to get out of the wilderness of wandering and start stepping out and realizing the wonders of God are available to us right here and right now. See, what ended up happening, the presence of God was in front of them and they followed him every day all over the place. But now that they needed to step into the promised land, the destiny that God had planned out for them before one of their days ever came to be, the plans he had for them, plans to prosper them and not harm them. Come on, somebody. Plans of hope and of a future. You know that. Before they could step into that promised land, they no longer had to stop to start following God's presence. Now the Bible says that they had to pick up this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, many of us kind of, and this is a very churchy thing, Right? Ark of the Covenant sounds very churchy, you know. I feel like I need to have, you know, one of the a whip and a leather hat and jacket and be Indiana Jones for a minute and talk to you about the Ark of the Covenant. I just showed my age. Half the half the room had no idea who I was just talking about. Speaking of seasoned, the Ark of the Covenant was this this box. It, it was. You know, it was about fifty-two by thirty-one by thirty-one, right? So it's about four and a half feet wide by two and a half feet wide or long and two and a half feet deep, right? And, and so it was this box of acacia wood that was lined with gold everywhere. And inside that box were three things. First of all, there was, was a pot of manna that God gave manna to them every morning. And so they took some of that manna in, in this golden jar and put it inside this golden box. And then there was also Aaron's rod. Aaron was one of the Levitical priests and, 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 and his rod budded, even though it was a dead piece of wood, his rod, his, his rod, a rod budded, his rod booted, his rod budded, his rod budded. Right? Just symbolizing that not, not only is God's provision in the manna, but God has called us his people. He has placed us in positions for specific purposes and reasons. And that God had called Aaron and the Levites to lead them in, into the presence of God. And not only that, but then there were also the two tablets of the law that God had given to Moses as, as first, you know, we, we know God gave the good ones and then Moses cracked them and then Moses had to write out the new ones, right? But either way, it was the law. It was the precepts of God. So it was God's provision, God's purpose, and God's precepts were all inside that Ark of the Covenant. And, and it represented the presence of God. And only the high priest could really come around into the presence of God, into this, into the center of their tabernacle, their, their church, their, their place where they would come to worship. There was a room in the center that, that had this Ark of the Covenant. And on, in, in this golden box known as the Ark of the Covenant, on top of it was a golden lid with these two cherubim, these angels, these, these two golden angels had been carved out and their wings were stretched out. And in between those two angels, what was known as the mercy seat of God and the high priest out of the Levitical family, they would come every year and they would take this blood of, of a pure lamb and sprinkle it over top of that mercy seat, forgiving the sins of Israel for the past year so that they could step forward into the new year that God had for them each and every season. And so this is what is happening right now. And, 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 and they take up this box and the Bible gave them very clear instructions back in Exodus that they were to take these, these wooden rods and go through these, these golden islets that were on the outside of the Ark of Covenant, pick it up. And only the priests, only the Levites, the Levitical family, that they could pick them up and that symbolized the, the, the presence of God. The Bible says now instead of following the presence of God, that they needed to be carriers of the presence of God. And as they picked it up, for, for these Levites, as they picked it up, they walked out into the river. See, before, that, listen, not one leg of a Jewish man got wet when the, when the Red Sea was parted. But now, all of a sudden, things change. 
Now God is saying, I need you to trust me, even though it doesn't make sense to you. I need you to trust me here. See, if we really want to stop wandering and start seeing the wonders of God, we have to let go of the past. We have to let go of the past. Many of us are so stuck in how God did and what God did in the past and how he did it and who he did it through and all that happened in the past is that we're missing what God wants to do right now and where he really wants to take us because we're so consumed with what happened back here. See, we're so overwhelmed with what happened back there. A lot of us like staying in the past, even sometimes, not even whenever it's good things. We like to stay back here sometimes even in the bad things because at least we know what the outcome was. And if I know what happened and who and who it worked through, and even though it was a bad thing, if I live in the past, at least I can manipulate it and make it go the way I want it to because I know how it works. That's why a lot of folks will stay in abusive relationships and toxic places and toxic workplaces and toxic churches and talks with around other people. It's because they, they at least they know that that's, that's comfortable to them because that becomes who they are. That's just, it becomes a little bit of our identity, but the things that surround us all of a sudden begin to permeate on the inside of us. What's on the outside of us changes us. And now, now we start to, we want to stay in the past because at least we know what's going on here. See, a lot of us like to know what's going on. Why do you think all of a sudden over the last 16 months, like millions of Americans became infectious disease specialists? Because we know. You know, we're all virologists. We know everything. You know, we know more about vaccines than everybody else. You know that? We know more. We know exactly how big that virus is and what mask it can and cannot go through. Huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it got real real up all of a sudden, didn't it? Yeah. We assume Jesus doesn't ride on a lion, he rides on an elephant. Uh-huh. I'm just letting it sink, you know. Sometimes you got to let something marinate a little bit, you know. And we've relied so much on what we know, even though it was wrong. And then sometimes those of us that have been church long enough, we want to go, we want to go back to the way it was. I can't, I'm sick and tired of hearing people go, I can't wait till we get back to normal. What do you think got us into the mess in the first place? What was normal took us to what is. Where we are right now is because of where we were. We have to stop her lot. We have to let go. Listen to me. Elsa had it right. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. Let it go. You gotta let go of the past. We have to stop relying on what we know and start trusting God more. See, the Bible come, the Bible says here that they come to the Jordan River. Now, this is this is peculiar. They're across, across the Jordan from the river from them just a little bit ways is the, Jer is the city of Jericho, right? So we have a good idea of where they are in the Jordan River right here near this acacia grove. And the Bible says that it's during the harvest time, the fall season for them, which means the Jordan River is at flood stage. It's higher and bigger than anything before. <laughs> this made absolute zero sense. 
They could have waited a few more months. The Jordan River would have got smaller. And they, even if the water didn't part, they at least would have been able to get par- across it. But when God says go, we have to stop trying to reason out and tell God how to do everything, right? <laughs> when God says go, we just, our, again, our level of obedience will determine our level of blessing. See, so many times we try and go into what we know and we leave behind. If you've heard me preach, I, I bet I quote this, this, this scripture more than any other scripture in the Bible. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust God with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. This isn't going to make sense to you. You want to know why it's not going to make sense to you? Because God wants you to stop trusting yourself and start believing. You know, that, that's this, this is this weak faith, man, where we just want to say, oh, believe in yourself. You can do it. No, we're the ones that made the mistakes that got us into the mess we're in now. We've got to stop relying on our talents, on our abilities, on our resources, everything that we have. And we have to surrender it all to God and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And regardless of what might come, regardless of the outcome, regardless of what's going on in this life, I'm going to trust God with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge that he is God. And that's when he makes my path straight. That's whenever the Levites pick up that Ark of the Covenant and they step out into the Jordan River. And the Bible says immediately, the water began to back up about two miles north of there in this town called Adam. Now, this is awesome stuff. Let me get a little geographical with you for a second, all right? Adam is about two miles north of where they are, and, and, and it starts piling all the way up behind them, right? It's, so essentially what ends up happening, listen, God did an amazing miracle when they parted the Red Sea, but a lot of, a lot of people and even some theologians believe uh, that, that God uh, parted the Red Sea in an area known as the Reed Sea of the Red Sea, all right? Now, let's, I know it's a little wordplay, but just follow me for a minute. The Reed Sea, in, 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 in one of the highest depths of the Reed Sea is about 12 inches deep. So it's not a big deal for a nation to walk over that, right? So a lot of people say oh, it wasn't a big deal that God parted the Red Sea. But, I mean, then he drowned the fiercest army today in 12 inches of water. So I don't know whichever way you want it. It's pretty good. But, it was, you know, it's a huge miracle either way. But here's what the awesome thing is. When the Jordan River begins to part at flood stage, and because of where it is and everything that's happening, we know that this, that this, this river parted and went all the way up to a, a town called Zarephath, which was 20 miles north of Adam. The, the river, as it stopped flowing, now all of a sudden became two miles wide, 120 feet deep, and, and 20 miles long. The volume of water that was moved under the obedience of Israel as opposed to just a miracle of God. Listen, the, the, the miracle of the Jordan River parting is much greater in volume than the miracle of the Red Sea parting. I want you to understand this. Our level of obedience will determine our level of blessing. And a lot of times what ends up happening is that we wait for the right moment. We wait for, we wait for, you know, just everything to be perfect for us, for the temperature to be right, for the economy to be right, for everything to be perfect. And we want God to work in just the right way at just the right time when we're comfortable doing it. And meanwhile, God is saying, I want you to step out, even during flood stage, even when the waters are higher, even when the world says, you know, church attendance is at an all-time low, that nobody cares about anything anymore, that nobody trusts anybody anymore, that everything's going to be crazy. What if, what if, what if God was calling Freedom Valley to finally change Adams County for the glory of God for one final time before he comes back? What if this was the moment? 
But we're sitting back on, oh boy, I don't know. We're not as big as we used to. A lot of things didn't, a lot of people didn't. And we, we start talking about, what if this was it? What if this was the flood stage where God says, I want you to pick up my presence, stop aimlessly wandering, and I want you to now be a carrier of the presence of God. And instead of the, the world changing who you are, you step into the flood waters and allow the waters to part, not because of what I'm going to do, but because of who I am in you. See, the Bible says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit of God. Everywhere you go, should you should be gaining ground for the glory of God. This is how you know the difference of whether or not you've let the past go. When you walk into a room, does the room change you or do you change the room? The Bible says that when Peter, in the book of Acts, when Peter would walk down the, walk down the street of Israel, just when his shadow would pass over people, the presence of God was so strong upon Peter that they would instantly be healed. Now, many of us know Peter had not, did not have a great resume, right? He cursed, he lied, he tried to murder somebody. But when the fire of God burned on the inside of Peter, it was much greater than the darkness on the outside. See, what we've been doing, we've been talking so much about how dark the world is. Listen to me, we don't defeat darkness by talking about how dark it is. We defeat darkness by turning on the light. We've got to stop talking about how bad this is, how bad that is, how bad that church is, how bad that government is, how bad that, that political party is, how bad that president is, how bad that governor is, and bad this, bad that, bad that. And we assume the more we complain, the better it's going to get. Hello. Como se llama? Listen, we've got to get past ourselves and let go of the past. Come on, somebody. We've got to let go of the past and we've got to look up in the pursuit of who God is in our life. See, the Bible said that they had to stay back, that the, that, that the rest of Israel had to stay back a little bit. They had to stay back a little. They couldn't, they had to be about a half mile away from where these priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Well, I want to say this in a really, I need to have a family moment with you, all right? I love, I love, because, listen, I love that I can come and I can preach in sneakers, a t-shirt, and jeans. I love this. I said to my wife this morning, I said, my God, I love that I don't have to iron anything this morning in a hotel room. Come on, somebody, that's of God. You know? Our home church is that way. A lot of places we go are that way. And I love that we could come in and just be who we are. We don't have to put lipstick on a pig. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? I know it's county fair time, but let's be real. I'm thankful for that today. But may we never be people that just casually enter into the presence of God. Ooh. When I say we got to look up in pursuit, it's because we look up in recognition of where God is and where we are. He is God. I am not. He calls the shots. I do not. It's my job to say yes. My job to say yes. And what we've ended up doing, it's much like what happened with the nation of Israel much later on in second or in first Chronicles chapter 13. David is, is king now and he's ready to move the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant with them. And they just take it and put this Ark of the Covenant on a cart and they just casually start strolling down the road like no big deal. You know, hey, we got the ark, you know, throwing out candy like a local parade, you know. The Bible says they, they hit something, something happens, and they, 
The cart begins to shake and vibrate so much so that the Ark of the Covenant starts to slip off. And there's a servant there, a Levitical servant there named Uzzah. First of all, get a new name because that sounds like a, you know, a wound that's gross. And this dude reaches up because he thinks he's doing something good in his own strength and his own power. And he puts his hand up just to steady the Ark of the Covenant, just to make sure it doesn't fall off the, off the cart. And he's instantly dropped dead. Because he so casually tried to reach out and touch the presence of God. So he was doing a good thing. Can I tell you that the road to hell was paved with good intentions? Thought about how good of a person you are, the good things you do, how much money you can put in a plate, all that kind of good stuff. A little later on, and a couple chapters later, David says, well, I guess we, we better pray and figure out how we're supposed to move this ark. That's the most absurd scripture in the Bible. Why would David have to pray about something he's already been told? The book of Exodus, right? Hundreds of years earlier, was already written. The law had already been given to them in the book of Exodus to tell them exactly how to carry the Ark of the Covenant, that to take these two, these, these wooden rods, put it through the golden eyelets, and that the Levites were supposed to be, the, I mean, it's very clear instructions. They had them written out for them. They had it. They already knew what they were supposed to do. And yet, we as Christians were like, well, I better pray about it. Why do we have to pray about what God already told us to do? Why do we have? It's here. There's 66 books full of his word. People always want to go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. I don't know how, when we just, we keep hoping for bailouts. We keep hoping for government checks. We keep hoping for somebody to come through. We want more benevolence here. And we, we live in this entitlement mentality where we think we deserve all kinds of good things. And meanwhile, we just on Sundays in different areas, uh, we just kind of casually enter into the presence of God and then wonder why the rest of our week isn't any different, regardless of whether or not when we went to church on a Sunday morning. Because we're just casually reaching up and trying to study the Ark of the Covenant and then wonder why there's so much death in and around our lives. Ooh. How about we just do what he said to start with? This is humility. See, obedience is the key to spirituality, but humility is the key to spiritual authority. Obedience is the key to spirituality, but humility is the key to spiritual authority, meaning this. You know, when I say yes to God, I am now connected to the source of life, that his Holy Spirit now breathes life into my spirit, and I'm connected to him. And I, I have his word in my life, and I'm following him and everything he has. But what ends up changing, a lot of times we, we end up taking this for granted, and we can just assume that we can do whatever we want willy-nilly and, and worship how we want to worship and go where we want to go and do what we want to do without ever listening to the voice of God in our life. And then we wonder why we have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Because we have not purified ourselves and set ourselves apart unto God. Verse 5 says, purify yourselves. That way you can see the wonders of God. James says it this way, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Come on, somebody. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. See, holiness and purifying, listen, that has become, they've become dirty words in our culture. In the church culture, we just all do what makes you feel good because we've allowed the world to influence us more than we've influenced them. And we complain so much about what is going on in the world that we've yet to realize that we are the ones that determine the culture of the world. 
The world takes its cues off the church, whether they like it or not. That's the way it rolls. And the more we compromise, the further the world takes it. It's the whole give them inch and take a mile kind of deal. We've compromised and we've compromised and we compromised because we've been so fixated on what we thought was important. We've been fix- so fixated in our programming and our abilities and in, the, in, in our structure and the way we thought we had to have it happen. This is why I thoroughly believe God has allowed all that nonsense to be totally wrecked over the last 16 months. See, but I still believe, regardless of what's going on in this world, that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I believe that Freedom Valley has been called by God. I believe that Candace and Aaron and the team here, Isaiah, you and Katie, you have been called by God. Listen to me. We are not somebody that's supposed to sit back and go, oh, I can't wait to go back to normal. We got to go back and do this again. That was good and all that. No, 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 no. God says, regardless if it might be harvest season, even though the, the river might be a flood state, I want you to pick up that ark and instead of aimlessly wandering, I want you to step out and call things into existence even though they are not. You have the spiritual authority to say they are. You can speak to a mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and that ball of dirt has to waddle into the waves because you said so under obedience and humility of who Jesus is in you. God's not looking for a spiritual superstar. He's not looking to exalt a preacher. He's not looking to lift up a church. He's not looking to lift up a denomination. Listen, we're here to plunder hell and populate heaven because Jesus is coming really soon. We've got to get our job done and we've got to get it done now. His will is not for us to be followers of his presence but rather carriers of his presence as we by faith and obedience declare the word of God and we break out of the wilderness of wandering into the promise of his wonders. Let's stop being under the influence out there and let's start being the influence in Jesus' name. Let's stop propagating political candidates and ideologies and parties. I'm sick of it. Some of us are more loyal to the things of this world and the political system in the United States than we are to the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to be carriers of his presence. Then that means we got to be, we got to purify ourselves so that we can get close enough to pick it up, step into that flood stage and watch God do what only he can do. Stop being so reliant on manna fresh every morning. God doesn't want us to live aimlessly and for bailouts, but he wants us to step forth in obedience regardless of what's out there. This is your moment. This is your day. This is your season. This is your hour. Say, I'm letting go of the past and I'm stepping into the future of who God is for my life. See, when, when, when we let go of the past and we look up in pursuit, that's when we can launch forward into his promise. God promised the Israelites 40 years ago. Let's not wait 40 years. I believe, Freedom Valley, you are standing just south of Beersheba, just like the Israelites were as soon as they come out of Egypt. Don't listen to the 10 spies. 
Boy, I wish we'd stop listening to the majority opinion of things. God's not looking for the majority. He's looking for a holy remnant. Those two, the Caleb and Joshua's that are willing to rise up and say, let's go. Let's take the ground God's already given us. See, the promise is there. It's your job to possess it. Even after they went across the, the Jordan River, they had to go over and there they are in Jericho, fortified city. Six days they walk around it. Right? Six days they just they just they kept walking because God told them to. It makes no sense. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's that's wear out an army before the battle. Doesn't make any sense. And how about on the seventh day? Let's not just go around, but let's go around it six times. Just keep going. I'm not going to do it six times because I'm going to puke. It might be sick right here for a second. And then on the seventh time, I want you to go around it on the seventh time. On the seventh time, then that's when I want you to start shouting. That's crazy. That didn't make any sense. But you know what happens. The walls, right down in the ground. Israel goes in and possesses. Why? Because they followed obedience. God told them to. They didn't try and reason it out. They didn't They didn't have to go and have some committee meeting. They didn't have to go and, and, and have some poll, an opinion poll put out there and listen to what Rasmussen or CNN or MSNBC or Fox and all, all the good stuff. Listen, we have to stop listening to the popular opinion of this world. Many of us, we've been doing that for too long. Yeah, I'm going to say it. just going to say it. Because, well, I got the microphone. I'm going to leave a little bit after this anyway. I'm going to make sure when I go out and get a hot dog or whatever off the grill, none of you spit in it. I know you are. You want to know why? Like, the far right and the, the Republican people and all that, they listen to, like, Fox News and Newsmax and OAN and all that. And then the left-leaning folks... You know, they, they listen to CNN, MSNBC, or whatever, and all the other stuff over here. You want to know why? Because we're not going for information. We're going for affirmation. We're, we're, not, we're not going to actually get the truth. We're, we're, going to, we're, we're going to get our feelings taken care of. We, we, we just want somebody to affirm what we already think instead of actually finding out what really is happening. I pray that there would be a revival of Bible study in Gettysburg. I pray that we would go to God's word more than we go to the word of some news reporter, a political idea, or, or a union pamphlet, or anything else. I pray we would start going to God's word because you know what? We've been wandering in the desert for too long. It's time. It's time. The generation, the folks that, that, that thought it needed to happen another way, they're gone. You're here. This is the season God has called you for such a time as this. This is your moment right now. All the stuff in the past, yeah, we let go of it, but you know what God does? He takes our past gains and our past, and our past pains, and he begins to shape us and mold us and make us ready for exactly this moment right now. Pick up the ark and step into the favor and the promise that God has for you right now in Jesus' name. Let go of the past. This is your moment. Jesus declared it. With his final breath, he declared, it is finished. 
giving it, giving the commoner, those of us that are normal people, those of us that maybe we're not priests, we're not Levites, we're not the ones that, that are always working in churches and doing all the other things. When Jesus declared it is finished, the Bible says the veil that kept the commoner out of the Holy of Holies where that Ark of the Covenant was rested was torn in two, giving us direct access into the presence of God so that we could call out the name of Jesus at any moment and any time in our life that we can confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he is God and at that moment the old is gone and the new is come and we can now step into the fullness of the promise of what God has for us right here and right now. You don't have to wait till you're a certain age. You don't have to wait till you have so many scriptures memorized. You don't have to wait until you're able to put so much money in the plate. But today, right here, right now, in this moment, this is all we have. I'm thankful today that I serve a God who was, that he can forgive me of my past. I'm thankful that I serve the God who is to come because he's gone to prepare a place for me. And if he goes to prepare a place for me, surely he's going to come back and receive me unto himself that where I am, there he may be, there I may be also. But what I'm thankful for today is that he's also the God who is. He's the one who sticks closer than even a brother does. That he is my ever-present help in time of need. That I can call out under the name of Jesus today and not only is he going to bail me out, but he's going to set me on a path regardless even if it's flood stage. I can take his presence and begin to step into every room. When I go into the doctor's office tomorrow morning, I may not hear what I want to hear. I may not hear the prognosis I want, but I'm going to be able to declare God's word in my life that he sent his word and he healed my disease. And there might be one son or daughter that's far and gone and that we don't know what's happening in their life. I know that I've been speaking God's word over them and I can stand upon the promise of God in Proverbs that if I train up a child in the way they should go when they are old, they will not depart from it in Jesus' name. I might be living in a storm of uncertainty and fear and anxiety might be surrounding me, but today in the name of Jesus, I can stand and say I serve a God who is in the boat with me and at any moment, Jesus can speak, peace be still. I don't know where you are or what's going on in your life today, but I do know Jesus is calling you right now to let go of the past, look up in his pursuit, and let's launch forward into the promise God had for us today. Come on, would you stand to your feet with us this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, all across this place in a moment of preparation. The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're not, gonna, we're not coming here to complain about all that's going on, all that's happened in our past. A lot of time we allow prayer time to end up being a complaint session with God. I'm not saying that we don't give our needs and our, our shortcomings and everything, that, all the pain and anxiety in our life. Yeah, we can surrender to Him. We can definitely give it to Him, but then we can also know that He's going to walk with us out of this moment that he's going to take us forward. You are no longer labeled by what by, by the pain and the circumstance of your past. You're going to let the past go. That's not you anymore. When you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that he is God, at that very moment, the old is gone and the new has come. And you get to live a brand new life. The, the slate is wiped clean. I'm not telling you life gets easier, but what I am telling you is you don't have to live it alone anymore. It's not by your strength. It's not by your might, but it's by his spirit that he breathes life into you. Jesus not only died on the cross, but he rose from the grave. <laughs> Bible says three days later, God did this amazing thing for them as they were preparing. We know three days after, after Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> this is your moment right now. If you're in this room and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you're watching online, you do not know Jesus as your Savior, wherever you might be right now, you know 
The Bible says it's the loving kindness of God that draws us under repentance, which means this. I'm not beating you down. I'm not telling you how horrible a person you are. You couldn't have done anything so bad to make God stop loving you. You want to know how I know that? You're still here. You're still living. You're on this side of the dirt. As long as you're breathing, you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you're here today, you're watching online, wherever it might be, and you know you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. This is real simple. We don't, I don't know why we overcomplicate this stuff. This is so easy. I'm not telling you life's going to get easy, but you don't have to live it alone. Jesus is going to walk with you. He's going to talk with you, and he's going to tell you that you are his own. It's all across this place, online, everybody in the room. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. The Bible says we believe in our heart, but we also confess with our mouth unto the salvation of God, which means that you don't have to say this prayer word for word, but you got to mean it, and somehow, some way, you got to declare it out loud in Jesus' name. Come on, all across this place, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. I'll say a few words. You can say them right after me. Come on, pray this prayer. Come on, I'm telling you, Jesus is here. He's listening right now. He's here right now, all across this room. Come on, say, Jesus. Oh, come on, church. The people beside, somebody beside you might need to hear you praying with them right now. Come on, say, Jesus, I admit that I need you. I believe that you are God. And I confess you as the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that heaven is now my home. From this day on, I will trust the Lord. I am saved. I am healed. I am free. I have been made whole. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Now listen, we're going to sing a song in just a second, but what I want you to do is this. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it's been a little while, and you know you were on the outside looking in, you know? So many times we do that. We, we rely on what happened to us in the past or some decision we made when we were eight years old, but we haven't been following God. Today, you know, you just made that decision. I don't, I've never had to convince anybody that they're following God. They know at that moment, right now, you know, you just made a decision. If that's you, I'm just simply going to count the three to bring us to a point of decision. If you're online, you could follow right along with us, shoot us a message. We're going to put a number up on the screen. You can text, I'm into that number. Listen, you were on the outside looking in, but today you say, you know what? I'm in. We simply want to rejoice with you. The Bible says in the book of Luke that when one sinner comes home, the angels of God rejoice. Come on, let's give them a proper welcome into the family of God. This is not this is not a funeral. This is a resurrection in Jesus' name. Come on, if that's you, come on right now in this room and say, Tim, I just made that decision to follow Jesus. Come on. I, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can. This is nothing to be ashamed of. This is everything to rejoice in. Come on. You know, if you, am I talking to you? Let me answer it. Yes, I'm talking to you. You ready? One. Two, come on, if it's you, you just made that decision, lift your hand high right now. Three, come on, is there anybody? That's it, that's it. Yeah, if you're online, come on, you can do it too. Yeah, I see you, sir. Oh, come on, give God a big shout this morning. Yeah. Look, here's what I want to do. If, if you just raise your hand, or even if you didn't, you wish you did, there's a number on the screen behind us. Pick up your phone, text I'm in. If you don't have a phone, you're not able to do that, there'll be somebody standing right over here. You come connect with them at some point before you leave. We have a gift we would love to give you, congratulate you on the best decision in life, and we'd love to know how we can serve you. That's it. We just want to know how we can serve you. You're, we're, we're in this thing with you. You're not alone anymore. 
for the next few moments. Come on, before we go out and eat a holy hot dog or whatever else is out there, I don't know what all they got. No idea. You had breakfast burritos at, at the cafe. Y'all know you can come to church early. You know, you can hang out, break bread with one another, love on each other, have a good time together. Come on, but for the next few months, before we go, come on. I, I, I just want to ask everybody, this is the time to gather your keys, put stuff away and all that. Right now, for the next few moments, let's pick up the Ark of the Covenant together. Let's step into the floodwaters and watch God do what only he could do. Come on, for these next few moments, all across this place, lift your hands, lift your voice to the Lord. Come on, let's let's go after what God has for us right now in Jesus' name. Come on, all over this place, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
said purify yourselves tomorrow you're going to see the wonders of God some of us we've been leaving living a secret life reason is the secret life hasn't actually been a secret life of sin. It's been a secret life of following God. If I were to go out and talk to anybody else that doesn't come to church here with you, would they know that you're a follower of Jesus? You've been aimlessly wandering. God's been bailing you out. That's awesome. We serve a loving God. It's not, it's not how much he loves you. It depends on whether or not he's going to bail you out. Listen, my Bible said I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor begging for bread. But righteousness means that we've been put in right standing with God. And so that right here in this moment, but before we go, and we're going to go out and have a, a great time of hanging out with each other. It's going to be a wonderful afternoon. But first, I want to give an opportunity to purify holiness. just means that we're separated. We step away from the things of this world and we say yes to the things of God. Can I tell you that following God is more about saying yes to Him than it is about saying no to the things of this world. <laughs> so many times when people surrender their life to the Lord, we're like, oh no, I'm not going to have to give up my friends. I'm going to have to give up this habit. I'm going to have to give up all that. Listen, some of those things may have to happen, but the big deal is for you to say yes to Jesus first. 
then your time and your life gets consumed with who he is and you don't have time for the things of this world anymore. (laughs) Some of us here in this room, you've got to make a decision right now. Choose this day whom you will serve. This is your moment right now. In fact, this might be really uncomfortable for some of us, but that's probably a good thing because we've been living in comfort for too long. Nobody bow their head, nobody close their eyes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, anything like that. I'm just going to ask you to make a real big step of faith here for a moment. If you're in this room, you say, Tim, I've not fully surrendered to God. I'm not, I'm not questioning whether or not you're saved. I'm not, I'm not, what I'm questioning is whether or not you say, Tim, you know what, today I'm making a commitment to serve God and trust God. I've been trusting myself. I've been trusting other things and other people, maybe other churches, other, other preachers. I've been trusting things. But today I'm putting my trust and my hope in God. I have to make a decision and turn towards the things of God. This is you right now. Some of us, listen, I believe when you make this step, that addiction you've been fighting to get rid of for months, maybe even years, listen, when you step out of your seat in a moment, in an instant, God's going to give you the strength that it's going to be over with in Jesus' name. Some of you, you've been in a relationship that has done nothing but continue to take you away from what God has in your life. My Bible still says light has no fellowship with darkness, not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. If you're already married to them, I believe God can do an amazing work and God's going to bring your God's going to bring your spouse into the power of God. Well, listen, if you're not married and, and you're still hanging around, you're living with somebody you shouldn't be living with, you're doing, doing things you shouldn't have been doing, this is your moment right now. It's getting real real up in here. I'm not doing this out of hate. I'm not doing this out of saying anybody's better than anybody else. I'm telling you that if we purify ourselves today, we are going to see the wonders of God in this house, in your house, in your home, in your community. You want to see Adams County change? Then we got to change. You want to see Gettysburg change? We've got to change. You want to see your family change? We got to change. I got to change. I got to make the difference in my life right here, right now, today. That's you. Say, Tim, you know what? I mean, I, I, need, I, don't, I don't even need, need to explain anymore. You know who you are. I'm not counting to three or anything like that. If that's you, come on, step out of your chair and come stand with me right here, right now. Come on, come as fast as you can. I, I'm here with you right now. You're not alone. That's it. You're not alone. You thought you are going to be the only one. Now you're not. Come on. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's more. There's still more. I know there's more. There's more. There's more. Come on. There's more. There's some teenagers. You guys got to come to realization what's life and what's not. What's been holding you back and what has been holding you back. Listen, God has amazing things for you, but it's not until you get 20 or 25. It's right now today. Make a decision today. Make a decision today. Yeah. Hallelujah. This is awesome. This is awesome. Wow. You know, four times before Joshua and, and the Israelites get to the edge of the, of the Jordan River, you know what God tells them? Don't be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. There's still somebody else. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. I'm not... I'm not... Boy... That's it. Come on, you you were wondering whether or not it was for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, as fast as you can. That's it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is it. This is your moment. Don't let it leave. Don't let it leave. Yeah. 
what a good God we serve. And here's what I want to do now. My friends that are up here, they're not here alone. Did you see that move? I'm not old. Now I'm looking for some folks that are willing to pick up the ark with these folks. You guys, if you, come on, just, come on, put your toes right on the edge here if you can. That's it. Now I'm looking for some folks that are ready to pick up the ark. Come on, if that's you, if you're ready to say, yeah, I'm picking up the ark with them. They're not alone. Come on. Close as you can. That's it. I don't want, I'm not asking you to come pray with them, lay your hands on anybody like that. I just want you to come stand with them right now. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more. Everything's changing right now. Everything's changing. Everything's changing right now. Everything's changing. Brother, you're never going to be the same again. Never again. What you used to be known for isn't what you're going to be known for anymore. What a big God we serve. Wow, this is awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. just kind of waiting a little bit because sometimes God wants to do more than what we think is going on. So just can I tell you, oftentimes the people that we're most comfortable with are the ones we're willing to be silent with. You know, we always have to be doing something. You can just be there with them. You know, it's the person you don't want to be with. You're always looking for a way to end the conversation, right? And then you leave. But the people we're comfortable with, we can just I'm with my wife. It's not, we don't always have to be talking. I just want to be in the room with her. That's the way it is with God. You don't always have to be talking. Just be in the room with him. Just be there. It's not about what we do or what we say. It's about who we are. About being. Be with God. God's with you. You're not alone. Wow, this is awesome. Come on, all across this place right now. Come on, would you lift your hands to the Lord? I know it might it may not be something you're used to doing, but this is this is the international sign of surrender, right? We're surrendering to God right now. Right now in this room, we're surrendering to God. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, what's been said about me, what's been done to me, Lord, what's happened in the past, the mistakes that I've made, no longer dictate who I am. But Lord, I'm stepping forward. I'm launching forward into the promise that God has for me right now in Jesus' name. Lord, under the authority you have given to us as believers, Lord, I speak life and I speak hope. Lord, over every person that's in this room, over every family that's represented right now, in Jesus' name. Young lady, that decision you made to go see a doctor a long time ago, that doesn't label who you are anymore. That doesn't label who you are. God, God's got that baby in his arms. And listen, he's, his grace is more than sufficient for you right now. He's reaching out to you right now in Jesus' name. You are not damaged goods. You're not secondhand. God loves you with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, may the back of depression be broken in this room right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. May fear dissipate under the power of the love of God right now. May the spirit of power, love, and sound mind swell up in your soul right now in Jesus' name. I know.
know you don't have what it takes, but it's in your moment of weakness that the strength of God is made perfect right now in Jesus' name. You are not alone. God is with you every step of the way. Every time you, you've been working, you've tried to make the right decision, but every time you do, it just seemed to make it worse and worse and worse and worse. Right now, God is causing all things to work together for the good. All the mistakes that you've made, God's working them out for you right now in Jesus' name. May addictions be gone right now in Jesus' name. Lord, the cravings that we had for the things of this world, Lord, may they turn into cravings for more of you. Lord, may we decrease, may we become less and less, and may you become more and more in our life. In the name of Jesus. Now, God, I speak freedom. I speak freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, you didn't call this place Freedom Valley for nothing. It wasn't just a cute little gitchy name because we're in Gettysburg. Lord, you've, you've called this place freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe God's come. He sent me here to remind you of who you are today. You are Freedom Valley. You are followers of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, may you rise up and be who God has called you to be. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Pushing a little more, pushing a little more right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. restoring liver function in somebody right now. What's going on in your life, but God's restoring that for you right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The thing, what you've done in your past, some of you, it's it's caused heart damage. You've got some, some of the stuff that you've done in your past has caused heart damage. God's restoring that right now in Jesus' name. If that, come on, if that's you, would you lift your hand right now where you are? Just wanna, I want to believe with you in faith. That's it. Come on, lift your hand high. If that's you. If you, that's just that. Come on, lift your hand high right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, may that heart tissue come back to life right now. May valves be pumped perfectly. Every chamber may come back into rhythm right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ.
what's going to end up happening, right? God's healed many of you. He's, he's saved many of you. A lot of things have happened in your life this morning. Now, God's given you the promise, right? He's led you to the promised land. Now, you've got to possess it. So what's going to end up happening? The enemy's going to try and come in and steal it from you and make you wonder for 40 more years. Don't allow that to happen. Now, listen to the 10 spies, all right? Listen to the two. Listen to Caleb and Joshua, what they have to say. God's brought you here. God's brought you to this moment. He's not going to leave you now. It's not in your own strength. It's not in your own mind. But as you pick up your feet, God's going to put you down right where he wants you to be. Get grounded. Get rooted into what God has for you. See, because what ends up happening when a big tide comes and you get to the river and it's flood stage, it's easy to get swept off the foundation. And if you don't know why you do what you do, when it gets difficult, you'll quit. There's a price that you got to pay when you're carriers of the presence of God. But it will be worth it all. <laughs> I surmise this present suffering isn't going to come close to the eternal glory of God we get to enjoy together in heaven forever and ever and ever. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Your pastor is going to give you instruction. However, we got to do whatever. I don't know. You know, I knock stuff. That's why we can't have anything nice. I knock stuff over. God, I thank you for the privilege of being here with this tremendous family. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the light of God would so radiate out of this place. Lord, everywhere we go, may we be carriers of your presence. Lord, when we go to work tomorrow morning, Lord, when we walk in, Lord, I pray we'd hear people, what changed? What happened to you? Where you been? What's been going on in your life? God, when we step into the room, may the atmosphere change because you're with us. In Jesus' name. God, the uncertainty, the questions, Lord, all the things that have been swirling, Lord, the change has been going on in and around us. God, we've been at flood stage. But God, that's when you say it's time to step into the water. God, may we step in today. Lord, may we step in. And God, as we step in, Lord, I know the water's going to start piling up. Lord, it's going to be, an, Lord, the amazing miracles that have happened in the past aren't going to come close to the volume of miracle that you want to do now in Jesus' name. May this place be known for hope, life, healing, and freedom. I really believe this. I, I, boy, if you didn't hear anything else I said today, I want to remind you of your name, Freedom Valley. People might be in the valley, but there's freedom. There's freedom. I really believe that. God sent me to remind you of your name today. Freedom Valley. Live free in Jesus' name. I love you guys. Love you. Love you guys. Thank you.
Like even if you didn't bring anything you didn't know was happening today, stick around, eat food with us, hang out with us and have some fun. But don't rush this moment here. We're going to have some prayer partners available. If, if you gave your heart to Jesus for the first time today, we'd love to see you right over here at the admin table. We'd love to give you a gift and some information about what that means for you, okay? Let's not rush this moment. Father, we one more time, we just thank you and we praise you for what you're doing here in our lives. Thank you that we get to see and experience life change, that the decisions made here today would last for a lifetime. We thank you. We dedicate this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. On, on the way out today, we would like to bless Bennett Ministries. So we're going to have an usher in the back with a bucket. They they are stationed at a church, but they also do this. We, we just want to pour into their ministry, invest in their ministry. Would you help do that today and just bless them on the way out in one of the buckets? All right. Stick around. We're going to have some fun.